How many times do we approach the hard things of life and we get so frustrated and we just stop? And we never push through and we never see what God promises on the other side. Sometimes that's us. But the thing is, is as we go through these verses in 1 Peter, God's not telling us that it's okay. That, don't worry, it's okay. You know, you're just being a pansy. Just get over it. Um, he, you know, not, he's telling us, Yes, life is hard, but I'm telling you how to deal with it. And we need to listen to what God is saying. He's, he, our position and the things that we deal with in life is according to God's plan. It's according to his power through the Holy Spirit and through the provisions of Christ. And the keys to this is what we're looking at. Remember that we are preserved by God's power. That's the first thing we talked about three or four weeks ago is that God is the one that's holding us together. When you are in Christ, when, when God has saved you, when you've responded and repented of your sin and said, I need Christ, and you, you begin that relationship with Christ, he preserves you with his power. That means he holds you together. And then we need to remember that there is a proven joy. That there's a proven joy. And that's what we started on. Notice that all of our trials... They're just only a season, that there is a need be, that there, there's a purpose behind it, and that there will make heaven even greater as we go through when we get on the other side of our trials. And we saw that. And then why would some of these trials be necessary when he said the need be? It's, it's some of these turn out, help us turn away from what God is, you know, he's trying to help us to turn away from different things, from sin, uh, and to protect us. He's there to grow us and to help us to be equipped in ministry. And so today we're going to be looking at these three things. God has a great and important purpose in testing our faith. So as we look at these several things here in, in number four in our conclusion, let's pray and ask God to bless as we read his word. Lord, thank you so much for your living word. I pray that you would help us to realize that these trials are the suffering that we, we, we see and that we feel and that we go through, that, Lord, that help us to trust you, not to lean, not under our own understanding, but, Lord, acknowledge you that you might direct our paths and bring us through these things, to bring us quicker through these things, to endure through these things, to be held together by your power in all of these things that you might teach us, mold us, and empower us to, to, to experience better and greater things than just our suffering. Lord, you have a plan for us, and I pray that we would listen and be obedient to these things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verses 6 through 9, it says this, In this you greatly rejoice, so now for a little while, those are our trials, but we greatly rejoice because of his, his salvation, what he's done for us. It says, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that, that gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom you have not seen, you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, 
receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, in the third point there, God has great and important purpose in testing our faith. Testing is important. The first thing there is, is it shows that it is sincere faith or what we would say true faith. If we're not being tested, then there's a problem. You want to ask, am I really alive, right? If, if, if there is no testing to my faith, then there's something that's wrong. If you're not experiencing that. The actual, when we experience testing and we're going through, we're saying, wow, my faith is true. That God is still working on me. That's why you can write next to your notes, Philippians 1.6. I love that verse. I quote it all the time because it's, it's a great reminder for me. It's, you know, he says that he is not complete. In Philippians 1.6, he hasn't completed us yet. He's still working. That he who began a good work in you is going to continue to perform it until the day of Christ. It was Christ who gave us faith to be able to trust him. And it's God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that will continue to grow that faith until Christ returns and we get to spend the rest of eternity with him. Isn't that a great promise? That it's not you that has to grow your faith, but God will grow it. And he does it through the testing and the trial phases. When we go through testings and trials, he uses it to show that we really have true faith. The faith is tested, or we go through trials to show the strength of faith. And it's really hard to explain to people sometimes, right? It's really hard. If you're a runner, and I, I get to see Rob every once in a while run past my property, and, and uh, I know that because the dog barks, which signals, there he goes. And uh, I meet my neighbors that way because, you know, we have five acres, and the dog runs the whole length of the fence. To, to make sure that everybody knows that the dog is there and it's his property. But, uh, so I see him running. But when we run, it's hard to explain that you'll be okay. It hurts, it's hard, but if you keep running, eventually it actually feels good. And it actually can be beneficial for you. Right? But here's the thing. It was like, I could never explain that to somebody because I never run more than two miles. It always hurt. And I always hated it. I always hated it when my coach wanted me to run cross country. I was like, ah, that's just ridiculous. My coach always hated it because I always talked along the way. I never stopped talking, right? <laughs> and uh, she's like, if you can talk and run, you're not giving your best because you shouldn't be able to talk. You should, you know. But you're like, I hated it with everything. So it was hard for me to explain to somebody that it's okay, that eventually it feels okay. You breathe normal. And I never got that until somebody pushed me past that point. And they helped me and they encouraged me. But you know, it's, sometimes it's hard for us as believers to understand that, you know, while we're going through a trial, while we're suffering, to say, you will be stronger on the other side. That is not what we want to hear. We just, and we don't want to hear that it's okay. And I never tell somebody that's going through that, it's okay. Right? It's hard. It hurts. It's, you're miserable. It's frustrating. It's painful. It's sad. We weep. We cry together. 
I like the word but, though, because but we have Christ. And, and he does something supernaturally on the other side of our testing and trials that we cannot produce. But he does it through his power. He does it through what he did on the cross. I mean, when they saw the cross, right, the disciples, they freaked out when he died. They didn't know what to do. They were scared. They were hiding in the upper room. They thought that the, that the Jews and that the Romans were going to come and they were going to arrest them and kill them because maybe they stole, you know, maybe they stole the body. They, they, but they were, they were freaked out. They were scared. They didn't understand. And then Christ came and showed himself and all the things changed, right? Well, not exactly, because where were the disciples some few days later? Out fishing again. And, and praise the Lord. And he was gentle with them. And he made them, you know, made them breakfast, which was traditional Jewish breakfast, you know, a few vegetables and fish. And uh, when I was in Israel, that's all I ate was vegetables and fish. But uh, he said, go about my father's business. Go do what I taught you to do. But they struggled. But he was there. Faith is tested to purify it, to burn away the dross from the gold. In 1 Peter 1.7, do you see that right there? In, in verse 7 it says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that this example that Paul gives us is amazing. I don't know about you, but everybody longs for, they would love to have gold, right? Wouldn't you just love to have a suitcase of gold under your, under your bed? Or, you know, in the bank have, you know, Fort Knox type of gold? Everybody, it's something that everybody over the years, all through history, have longed for. But gold has to be purified to bring it down into its useful form. To what, that, that nice, pure form that everybody desires. In its raw form, it doesn't produce the same emotion or draw. You, in fact, most of us won't even see it. Most of us would see the pirate or the fool's gold. When I went gold panning in Alaska for the first time, all I kept digging up was fool's gold. And it was funny because the guy right next to me teaching kept pulling up gold. And I'm like... I don't get it. I'm right next to you. Sometimes we struggle and we realize, but the testing of our faith is more precious than gold. You know what's amazing is gold is one of the most durable of all metals. It lasts. Yet it too, one day, will be what? Wiped out. It will be gone. And this is a great example for us because... If gold is fit to be tested and purified by fire, then how much more our faith? How much more precious is the faith that we have than gold? That's been proven by Christ. It's been tested. And I said this last week, when, when we are facing trials, are you, are you focused on your faith or are you focused on the trial? Are you focused on the gold in this life or are you focused on the faith that God has given you? When you focus on the circumstances of your life, you miss out on the proven joy 
that God has given to us by faith. We have that. That's why Paul says in all of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in what you can do. Don't rejoice in what's happening to you. Don't complain about what's happening to you. Rejoice in what you have in Christ. Let me say it again. When you are faced with trials, do you focus on your faith or do you focus on the trial? Focus on what is proven. What is more precious than gold? So that it may result or be found to praise and honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter is saying. I like what James is saying in one is this, is that we can ask God for wisdom. And if we let our trials and our suffering, and we let it be complete, what, it's, it, we can be found not be wanting in anything. Number four, the need to focus on our relationship with Christ. That relationship with Christ is more precious than anything this world has to offer. So much so that the whole of chapter 3 of Philippians that we read this morning in, in, church, in, uh, in Sunday school, for the adult Sunday school, we read this verse and he said, Paul says, it doesn't matter whether what you have economically, it doesn't matter your position in the world, it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter anything, nothing matters compared to Christ. Let me ask you this question, what can you give up that would cost more than Christ. Is there anything that we could give up? We could give up everything in our life and it, would it be worth more than Christ? There is nothing. We could give up everything. I love that, that the author of It Is Well With My Soul, that great hymn. He had lost his family. Right? He had lost on the on a ship that sunk and he lost. But he says, it is well with my soul. He didn't say it felt good. He didn't say it wasn't hard. But he wrote, it is well with my soul. Because he knew that what we have in Christ far outweighs anything we could have in the world. It was a perspective and an attitude of what of value, of treasure. His treasure had nothing to do, and that's what Peter is telling us. His value, our treasure, isn't gold, but it is God. It's important to understand that. Even though in verse 8 it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, inexpressible and glorious joy. Uh, Peter, in speaking to these Christians, says that they are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because of their love and belief in Christ. How can this bring joy? How can this love for Christ bring joy? That's a, isn't that a, a, a question we should answer? That's a great question. How can Christ truly bring joy? It brings joy because it is the, in the midst of trial, we can see Christ and know him more. I have found that people that are going through trials and are looking for Jesus see a deeper, and they have a deeper appreciation, have a deeper relationship with Christ than most people I meet. 
It's amazing. When our love and our focus is in Christ, God uses that to do something that we cannot do ourselves. Trials can create a tremendous intimacy. There is a deep, deep intimacy that can be created with Christ. How many of you, you don't have to answer or raise your hand, but think about this. How many people have seen somebody that have gone through something horrific and have had maybe a, that have had maybe a, a friend or have a loved one or had somebody that walked with them side by side through that trial? Or a friend. I've seen people that with friends that have walked through them with that trial. What's amazing is, is that friend that has walked through them with that trial, they tend to be inseparable for the rest of their life. There is a deep-seated intimacy when somebody walks through a trial with you. And when you focus on Christ, and that's what Peter is trying to convey here, when our, when our love and our focus is in Christ, when we're going through all these things, it can develop an intimacy that is like no other. Our loving relationship with Christ can create some of the greatest joys even in the midst of fire. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's a great example of that. That's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, how many of us maybe are missing that joy in trials? Maybe we're lacking joy because we're not cultivating this relationship with Christ. Which is amazing because listen to what Jesus himself says to the church in Ephesus. Maybe you remember this. Revelation 2, verses 2 through 4. He says, I, Jesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your, pers your um, perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and you have tested those who have claimed to be apostles but are not, and I have found them false. You have preserved and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. Which is amazing. This sounds like the perfect church. And yet I have this against you, he says. You have forsaken your first love. They did everything perfect, but yet in all that they had gone through, they had lost your first love. Maybe you're wondering, is it possible to work hard for Christ? Is it possible to go through all your trials, to persevere, to make it through, to hate what God hates, to still, but yet to still lose a loving relationship with Christ? Have you wondered that? Can you do all the right things? Can you love what God loves? Can you hate what God hates? Can you do and make it through in your life and yet still love, lose a loving relationship with Christ? Well, it happened to the church in Ephesus. It can happen. When you lose your love for Christ, trials don't feel like they only last a few days. Christian, uh, your Christian walk, your, your life with God can become an arduous labor. It can become legalism. It can, it can steal all your joy. You can have the wrong focus. And you, it steals all your joy. And you forget what Christ has done for you. 
Many Christians go through trials without joy because they are not focused on their loving relationship with Christ. In fact, they have lost their first love, just like Ephesus. They have lost it and instead are loving other things more than Christ. Here, let me give you an example. They love their work. They love their friends. They love TV. They love hobbies. They love the Seahawks. I just had to throw that in there. They're not playing today. <laughs> so it's not much of a distraction today. If you, if you lost your first love, you can't have joy in the midst of your trials. Trials are harder. Trials are longer. We don't understand them. We, we, we complain. We, we drag other people through trials. We, we just hurt. Without a loving relationship with trials, trials are just painful, hurting circumstances in our life. It's possible to focus on the wrong things. And you think, well, if I just do all the right things, if I just do all the right things and I'll be a good Christian and my joy will come back because I'll do all the right things and we miss out on everything. Many Christians do that. And we burn out and we stop going to church and they start focusing on work, and we start focusing. Oh, I can't pastor. I can't go to church because I got to go and do this. I got to go do that. And I got to. Or pastor, and I was like, oh, there's just too many other things. We all know people like that. That's just walked away from not from meeting here at church. They've walked away from a, a loving relationship with Christ, which has allowed them to walk away from meeting together as believers. How do you cultivate? A loving, how can we cultivate a loving relationship so we don't lose our joy, Pastor? Well, good, here we go. Spend intimate time with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. When was the last time that you just got to a quiet place? For me, it's behind the barn where my kids can't see me. And I just sit there and just talk to Jesus. Sometimes it's easier for us to talk to another animal or it's easier to talk to... Uh, you know, I see people talking to their cars or talking to their tractors or I see people all the time walking by talking and I'm looking for the phones in their ears but they don't have one so I don't know who they're talking to. But uh, when was the last time you just sat and talked with Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? A lot of times we read our Bible but we never talk to the Lord. Spend intimate time with Him. Spend time with Jesus among His people. When was the last time you came to church to spend time with Jesus so that way you can bless the other people around you? We gather together to spend time with the Lord. Matthew 18, 22, it says, and it's always used out of context, but it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. You know, when you're struggling through trials, maybe church discipline, Matthew 18 is all about sin, Confronting sin? How do you know how, how to confront the sin? It says hey, when three guys come together and they're in agreement, he says, I am there also. When was the last time you ever got three men together and they agreed on anything? Right? I remember going to church work days where we would sit and talk about how we're going to change all the light bulbs and all the engineers sat and drew up a plan and we're like three or four hours later, we're sitting there waiting still. And, uh, but yet, and then when we followed their plan, Instead of my plan, it only took a few minutes to do it. 
I was like, and so me and my infinite wisdom said, I said, here's our project. Would you develop it at home and bring the plans to church? So then we did church work days. We got three times as much done. But you know what I'm talking about? It's hard to get any guy to agree on anything. But when we all get together and we focus on Christ, he can do that. In obedience to Christ, when was the last time you were going through trials and you just did what Jesus said to do? He said, go meet with other people. Go spend time with other people. Pray. Read your Bible. I know about you, but when I'm going through trials, I don't want to read my Bible. It's hard. But we need to be obedient to Christ. We need to spend time with Him. You know, we've got to get past that two to three mile mark. Get through that pain and, and enjoy what's on the other side. This is huge. We've got to be obedient. We did last supper Spend intimate time with Jesus through the Lord's Supper. Intimate time. We need to obey Him. We need to love Him. We need to adore Him. The problem is, is James chapter 4, you know, why are there fights and troubles and why are all these things going on in our life? Isn't it not the passions and wars and desires that are at war within your, you know, your soul? We have idols. We idolize things and those idols in our life take over and we become intimate with our idols. But we're not intimate with Christ. We're not in that one-on-one -on -one with Christ. How can we have joy in the midst? Here you go. Focus on the benefits of our great salvation. As we conclude, is how can we have joy in the midst of trials? In these verses, this is what he's telling us. Focus on the benefits of our salvation. Don't focus on the trial. Focus on the benefits, what God has done for you. Focus on, on, on eternity. Trials are brief in comparison to eternity. We have the Lord. We, he died for us to give us eternity. Don't, go, don't fall into the trap of the what-ifs. God didn't tell us, think about the what-ifs, right? Philippians 4, 4 through 9. In verse 8, he says, think about these things. What is truth? Well, the truth is, is that what we have right now in this world is temporary, but what we have in Christ is eternal. Christ is far more valuable than any experience, any treasure we could ever have. Focus on eternity, not on the trial. Focus on God's sovereignty, that he does have a plan, that there is a purpose, that he will take you through it. Focus on your faith. Focus on your faith. Trials prove your faith. Show that you have faith. Show that God is working in your life. That he's still there, that, he's, that you're still part of his family. Focus on the eternal glory. Faithfulness that there's faithfulness in trials will be rewarded. That are we faithful to focus on our trial, the, the faith during our trials, that if we're faithful, that we don't give up, that we just keep going, it'll be proven in the end if we're faithful. Focus on our relationship with Christ. This is the big one. Trials can bring a more intimate relationship with our Savior than any other time. Remember, there is a proven joy through our trials. Focus on our relationship. 
as I close, is, man, do you realize what we have in Christ? There is a proven joy. Christ died for our sins. How big is your cross? Is what God did for you, is your cross big or is it small? Do you have to have all the other things in life to have joy or to find happiness? You will find it empty. You'll be moving. You'll keep. That's where addiction comes from. You have to keep doing more and more and more to find happiness. But He is our proven joy. God produces joy through your relationships as you go through trials. I pray that we all will have an intimate relationship with our Savior. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have that intimate relationship. Well, then turn to Him today. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Repent and turn, right? Turn from your life and turn to Him and say, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need your gift. The gift is Him dying on the cross. He paid for that sin. He paid for what we deserve hell. We deserve everything we experience in life. We really deserve it. But yet he stepped in and died on the cross for your sins. If you realize that today, then turn to him. Repent. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. It's real simple. As we pray and as we sing, right now in your seats, you can give your life to Christ. He may be here and through the Holy Spirit. He may be calling to you and through the Holy Spirit right now and prompting you and saying that you need Christ. You need Him. You have no joy in life. You have no relationship. It's not about coming to church. It's not about reading your Bible. It's not how many times you say a prayer. It's, it's not about praying before your meals. It's about an intimate relationship with the Savior who paid for your sins. We be obedient and turn and call upon the Lord. Do that while we pray and while we sing. And give your life to Christ this morning. And if you do that, go tell one of us. One of the guys in the, in the worship team. Or tell myself or one of the other guys sitting here. Say, I, I did that this morning. I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. I'm saved. I know that I'm saved from my sin. I know that I have eternity in heaven. Because Christ has paid for it. The rest of us focus on your relationship with Christ to bring you through the trials. It's one of the key elements of suffering and trials in our lives.